Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, and we are back here after the holiday break, and we have got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking to future Hall of Famer Dan Dawson, who has an historic weekend coming up where he will become the second player in NLL history to play 300 career games. And with two points, he will pass John Grant Jr. for second on the NLL's all-time scoring leaders list. But up first, we're going to talk to Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer about last weekend's game, what he expects coming up, and how the team is managing everything around COVID. That's coming up right here on Toronto Rock Total Access. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I have the pleasure right now of being joined by Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer. Matty, how are you doing today? I'm, uh, I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm doing well. I'm glad you could take a couple of moments to join us here on the podcast. Uh, let's jump right into things and talk about last week's game against the Buffalo Bandits. Obviously, uh, both games on the road have been uh, losses so far this season, but the game in Buffalo, it kind of is starting to follow a little bit of a familiar script in the fact that the team has not produced offensively early in these two losses and, and really early overall in the four games, only scoring four goals. So in the first quarter, so let's just start there at the start of games. What is going on with this team out of the gate here? And why is it struggling scoring goals early in games? Yeah, um, obviously it's been uh, been an issue up to this uh, this point in the season, and uh, you know I think there's a, a lot of uh, different factors that uh, uh, that go into that. Um, you know, there have been uh, times in the first quarter we felt like we've uh, um, created some good opportunities and uh, and uh, are getting some good looks, but uh, ultimately it's on us and uh, um, as a offensive unit and on the players to uh, to find a way to be more productive than. Uh, than we have been it's a uh, um you know certainly not a uh, script that we want to continue to follow so we need to uh um you know we need to find a way to uh, to get going early on uh, i think it's um you know if uh, you've seen uh, throughout the uh, the games uh, um you know even when uh, in our losses uh, when we get a little bit of momentum and get feeling good about ourselves it just uh, you know your offense plays better your defense plays better and it's kind of contagious and we need to find a way to uh, um, to get that going early and often. And when that game was progressing last Saturday night against the bandits, the slow start, uh, you know, no goals in the first quarter, but then your team shows some real resiliency in battling back to be down by just a goal at the half. Um, what's your gut feeling as the coach at that point? Do you think, okay, things are turning around. Yeah. We had a slow start, but you know, I think we've got the makings of something good here to, to, you know, pull this one out in the second half or, you know, what, what is your thought process there? I don't think you ever probably think, Hey, we're lucky to be in this position necessarily. Maybe we're fortunate to be down by a goal here at half, but what's your mindset as the coach? What's your gut feeling there at halftime in that game? Well, um, you know, uh, um, to be honest, sometimes although you said you're uh, never thinking uh, that you're fortunate. Well, um, that's the reality at times, right. And, and in those situations, you have to take advantage of it right now. Uh, the one thing that we have, uh, you know, we have shown um, throughout our uh, our slow starts is uh, 
uh, some resiliency as far as uh, sticking with the game plan and it's not always uh, not always pretty but um, you know finding a way to uh, uh, to chip away and, and get ourselves uh, back in the game and that's kind of uh, uh, what happened there in Buffalo and um, you know we're down three nothing we find a way to get one uh, uh, one goal and and uh, real quickly after you know we, we have a bad habit of uh, uh, one step forward two steps back as I call it uh, um, you know we go three one after we've been scuffling and struggling and all right we're feeling good about things and and within 30 seconds we have another one in our net uh, then we go from uh, from four one to four four and uh, shoot ourselves in the foot again with a uh, uh, a lost loose ball off of a face off that we controlled so um while we are uh, are uh, slow to find our game offensively, it's real important that we uh, uh, are sharp in um, in all other areas of the game and and just little things and the fundamentals and uh, uh, that is coach talk, but it's also uh, uh, the reality because uh, um, we feel if we were uh, uh, better in those areas, we would still uh, um, find a way to be successful. Now, there's been a lot of conversation, we'll say, around the club, I think, in the um, difference between hard work and execution. And what I want to know is, what's easier to manage as a coach? Is it the execution of things, or is it to get the hard work out of your team? Or are they both equally difficult <laughs> to manage as a coach? Well, you know, I think we uh, were consistent um, in our... Uh our uh, work ethic uh, you know the one thing i would say is there's a difference between hard work and smart work as well and at times uh, um, we're going out there and we feel like uh, we're doing the right things i'm putting the work in but at the you know um, you have to be uh, smart about it and and uh, be aware uh, that uh, everything you do and every little play out there uh, um, you know can matter and you never know when it's gonna pop up and uh, uh, and, and bite you so um, but uh, you know you need to have that commitment that hard work and that smart work to uh, um, you know that translates into uh, to, into execution um, so it's uh, something where we need to uh, we need to put it all together and and uh, you know you need both of them to uh, to answer your question it's uh, um, you know without uh, hard smart work it's tough to go out there and execute now, with a, a week between games, uh, I think when it's a week between or coming off of a loss, sometimes it feels like a month before you you get to play that next game. But um, what's that been like for you this week, managing those highs and lows here with everything else that's going on too and, and only getting to practice once and, and just a lot of time between chances to kind of go out and get some uh, redemption, I guess you could say, for a, for a poor performance? Sure. Um, you know, but that's, uh, that's also, uh, uh, that's the reality of, uh, of this league. And uh, you look at our opponent, uh, um, you know, that we're playing this week in, in Halifax and uh, I believe it's been over a month since they played. Right. So those are, uh, uh, things that are, are nothing new. We've had a few more breaks, uh, um, you know, the league has with uh, the situation that's been going on, but you just, uh, um, you know, you just need to manage it and you need to put your work in and you need to stay uh, focused on, uh, um, on your, uh, your next game or your next opportunity to get together. So, uh, but fact of the matter is, is as a team and, and as a group in all three aspects of, uh, uh, of our game, you know, we haven't, uh, we haven't been good enough. And, uh, um, you know, our goal is to, uh, to put a complete uh, um, effort and uh, a game together in, in all areas. And, 
And the message this week was that, uh, you know, if, uh, if we think we've been good enough to this point, uh, we haven't. And, uh, um, you know, that is our, our focus because you're going to, some nights you're going to do everything you want and, um, you know, and, and uh, your execution and uh, um, your work ethic, offense, defense, goaltending is all going to be solid and you may not be successful. Um, right now, we don't feel uh, we're giving ourselves a, uh, um that chance right so we need uh, we need a good performance on saturday night and that's been the uh, the message this week and um it's been good i'm uh, anxious to see uh, uh see saturday come and and uh, i know we'll be good so when we talk about saturday night's game uh, the lineup obviously some challenges uh being thrown your way again here with brandon slade going down with an injury as well as reed reinholt which has uh you know certainly not depleted the left side in general but it has certainly taken a big chunk out of uh, a left side that just on the roster there aren't that many left-handed shots uh either in the front or the back so um how do you manage that here going into this weekend uh what tricks do you have up your sleeve here to to roll out uh the roster and what's it going to look like in terms of an od makeup yeah um i guess still a little bit to be determined uh you know you mentioned the uh, uh the two injuries we picked up uh, this past week and and uh, uh slater and reed and um you know they've been uh, uh pieces for us and and uh guys that we can count on so we're gonna have to uh just a little bit more adversity at the same time uh, dan and uh, and tommy are gonna draw back draw back in so that'll allow us to be uh, flexible uh, um, kind of within our lineup uh, um, still, uh, to be honest with you, still waiting on a, a, a couple of things here in the next day or two to, to see who is available. But uh, those are uh, are all things that you just have to deal with. And they're uh, um, they're facts of, uh, um, you know, of this league and competing each and every week. You're going to uh, uh, you're going to pick up injuries uh, here and there. And it's just uh, uh, what you do with those opportunities and how you uh, how you adjust to them. So, um Wish I could have a better answer for you, but we're still waiting for a couple of, uh, of answers here on uh, who will be available this weekend. Now, despite being early in the season, you do have the benefit of having played Halifax uh, once already this year. What do you know right now that your team's going to have to do better this time out versus the first meeting in Halifax? Well, we're, uh, you know, we're going to have to find a way to, uh, to get to, um, you know, get to Warren Hill. He's been somebody who's uh, played, uh, uh, played real well for them. And, uh, you know, we're just going to have to be, uh, be determined to get to some different areas of the floor and uh, make him a little bit un uncomfortable, throw him off his rhythm and um, combine that with a, uh, um, you know, we want to be fast out of our back end. We want to push the ball, but we also want to put some pressure on, uh, on their offense with the speed of our defense. So, um, you know, but first and foremost, obviously, uh, last time we played them, we had one on the board at the half and uh, that's not going to cut it. So the, uh, uh, the focus will be uh, uh, to get going early and often. Now we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about COVID, but I wanted to pick your brain too about just how you've uh, you've managed things this year. I mean, I think as sports fans, we've all watched over the last uh, you know year and a half or so how all different leagues have managed guys being in and out and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, how have you? Uh, how how do you think you've managed <laughs> this so far? And and uh, I know you can't predict what's to come, but what have you learned so far early in the season that maybe can help you the rest of the way here with, with managing the uh, uncertainty? Yeah, it's very, uh, I guess uh, they call it a, a um, fluid situation. Like it, uh, it changes from day to day. And 
Um, there's no, uh, there's no handbook on this. Right. So I feel, uh, um, you know, ourselves as well as the league and, and everybody involved are, uh, are doing what they, uh, are doing what they can, but it's, um, you know, it's just something that, that is there and you need to be, uh, uh, ready to, uh, adjust at a, uh, at a moment's notice. And, um, you know, but, uh, but at the same time, we're talking about lacrosse and we're talking about playing a game this Saturday and, um, all that stuff is, uh, um, you can look at it one way. You can say, you know, use it as an excuse and, um, uh, really just, uh, um, you know, somebody, uh, um, goes on the, uh, the COVID list, you just treat it almost like you picked up an injury, which, uh, we're all used to, uh, uh, to dealing with that. And, and we have a history here of, uh, of being, um, being pretty good when we got to uh, rely on our depth. And obviously this is a year where, um, all teams are going to have to, uh, um, uh, rely on their depth you uh, like I said you see it changing from day to day across the league uh, who's in who's out and the one big thing that fans are going to notice here on Saturday night when they're watching the game on TSN 2 at 7 p.m eastern uh, is that there will be no fans in the building what do you think that's going to be like have you discussed that with the players at all uh, at practice on Tuesday night and is there uh, much change in the game plan at all or mindset going into the game that you're playing in an empty building no, um, you know, so, uh, uh, no, we had, it's not something that we have, uh, discussed, uh, with the players. And as far as the, uh, change in game plan or anything like that, uh, you know, we would, um, be the same game plan and same approach if there were uh, fans in the arena. It's unfortunate, uh, um, you know, that, uh, that we're in that situation, but again, it's the, uh, um, the hand we've, uh, we've been dealt. So, uh, our focus as, a as uh, coaches and then uh, a group of players is uh, uh, just to be on uh, going out there and competing and, and uh, having a performance and giving ourselves the best opportunity to, uh, to win. But uh, we sure enjoyed those uh, first uh, uh, couple of games in Hamilton. Um, you know, obviously uh, uh, we enjoyed the results as well and it'll be, uh, be real nice when we can get, uh, get back to playing in front of our fans in Hamilton. Absolutely. And it's just, uh, I think overall, a great thing that, uh, the boss, Jamie Dowicks, decided to go ahead with playing games and uh, and still having them uh, take place in uh, in an arena with no fans and still giving people the opportunity, obviously, to watch this game uh, live on TSN2 on Saturday night. Still uh, get a little piece of normal, even though people won't be able to be in the building. Yeah, you're uh, you're 100% right there, uh, Jamie and the organization. And, um, you know, uh, look at that as our job to, uh, to go out there and, uh, um, you know, reward them for sticking their neck on the line like that. All right, Maddie. Well, thanks a lot for joining us here today and uh, good luck on Saturday night. Thank you, Mike. All right. That was Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with more in a moment. All right. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock here with now the legendary Dangerous Dan Dawson. Doss, how are you doing? Good, buddy. Is this something that happened and it's now? <laughs> I guess, as I was saying, that, yeah, I guess. Well, okay, we'll wait until you, uh, until you get through this weekend then to call you legendary. But uh, I guess before we get into any record talk and all-time achievements and everything, there was something obviously that happened that prevented you from uh, doing that last weekend with your teammates in Buffalo. And that was, you got put on the COVID-19 protocol list. So uh, just uh, maybe update fans as to how you're doing and uh, 
how things went while you were uh, away from the team. Yeah, we tested positive for uh, COVID over the break, which um, created a border issue. And so we did the correct protocol, followed the proper steps. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was, you know, tested positive at the same time. Like I was simply three, three throughout the whole ordeal, but it's the way it is. And uh, I'm just thankful that I have another opportunity to play this weekend. So healthy and uh, ready to rock. So big things coming up this weekend for you, uh, 300 games played. That's the first thing uh, we'll talk about. What does that number mean to you being just the second player ever to do it in NLL history? Well, longevity has been a testament to obviously the training staff and my personal trainers over the years, strength conditioning coaches that allowed me to, you know, play this sport at an elite level for a long time. Having said that, we all know that, I mean, for me, I break it down to threes. One, you have family support to play the sport. I mean, that's 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 a given. And I got great family support with my wife and my kids and my extended family. Number two is your job. You got to support what you do and understand what you do. I have so thankful for everyone I work that has allowed me to play the sport for a long time. And number three is my health. And that goes into, you know, all my past trainers and doctors and strength coaches that allow me to play the sport such a long time now we're talking about game 300 but let's rewind all the way back to game number one what do you remember about the nll debut throw out some of the names that were sitting in the locker room as you looked around when you were pulling on that uh pro jersey for the first time what what do you remember about game number one well my my mom my dad and my sister all made the trek down uh, to Columbus, Ohio, we're playing Nationwide Arena. Louis the Landshark um, was there. He was the mascot. I, I could look around the room and our captain was Billy Border. Our, our go-to guys were Gaywash Schindler and Neil Palace. Um, our veteran guys was, those were our veteran guys. And then the rest of us is like Derek Suttons, Ryan Cousins, Mark Steenhouse, Billy Greer, Mikey Miron. Uh, Kyle Jameson, Casey Beerns, like I could beat every single one of our players because we all came into the league together. That's how crazy that draft class was for the Landsharks. We were pretty much all rookies with maybe five or six guys that even had a little bit of experience. So um, it was obviously something I'll never forget to this day. 20 years ago, that's scary to think about. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's cemented in my head. And when you look back over those uh, 300 games, I don't want you to pick one, maybe necessarily, or you don't have to say this guy was the favorite, but it, who's like the teammate that sticks out to you is just like a guy that you loved playing with or a guy that, uh, you know, maybe was so off the wall, just a different cat. Like who, who is, who's a teammate that really like sticks out or maybe a couple guys that you can talk about over 300 games that you think, you know, possibly made a big impact on your career too. Well, I mean, there's so many. Um, I've played for, obviously, a lot of teams over the years. <laughs> people know that. So that, that just means you have a lot of teammates throughout that time in 20 years. Um, I would say that as far as, like, I love Ryan Cousins. He was one of my best buddies. Uh, Peter Locke was, like, my big brother in the room. I was kept on point and things that was straight and narrow. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about, like, Mikey Kirk, who's just the ultimate teammate. Scotty Campbell, my brother, Paul Dawson, Brody Merrill, another one of my best buddies who I uh, just love training with, pushing, we're born senior, played hockey, 
prosecute each other all the way out to two of the kids. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You think of guys that were just Josh Sanderson, gamers, Cody Jameson, Anthony Cosmo, you know, like, I mean, the list is on and on and on. And, and there's so many characters throughout there that I mean, we could just spend time on that. Um, but those are you know, everyone that ever stepped in the locker room with me had an impact on me. I've learned from them, regardless of their stature on the team, or if it was a short stint together or a long stint together, I guarantee everyone's had an impact on me as a person and as a player. And you talk about longevity a bit there. You know, when you came to Toronto and signed the contract in 1920, it was uh, a two-year deal. Uh, year one never finished. Year two wasn't played. We're now kind of in year three in Toronto. Uh, when you did come to the Rock, did you – think there was going to be a year three in Dan Dawson's NLL career or it originally was it just a, a two-year plan like where where are you at I know everybody's lives have kind of paused to some degree but the calendar and the clock keep ticking here like did you think you would still be playing here as we get into 2022? That's a great question I don't want to put a cap on this like it's a, when you get older everyone always wants to ask the question like when are you hanging them up and it's not something that I I don't mind talking about it. I don't have an answer to that. It's yearly right now for me. So I would say that I'm on borrowed time. There's no doubt. Everyone says I'm on the back nine. I'm up the, the fairway. Okay. I'm coming up to the green here. Um, but I would say that I reevaluate it and it goes to those three things we talked about. Is it affecting my job performance at work? Is it affecting my family life? Am I going to be really struggling physically when I'm done playing? And I have to kind of find that balance. And then the next part of that is, can I contribute to the team and make people around me better? Do I add value? Am I that guy who's just hanging on for the sake of hanging on? I don't think I am. I like to still think I can compete, but I have to be smarter with my rep volume, the pounding I take. I was telling guys there, those tweaks and stuff from like 19 to even late twenties, it's not a really a big deal. But when you're pushing 35 to 40, like those tweaks, like you're not the same player. Right. So if I was a hundred percent injury free, um, I, I feel I can still contribute and play, but only time will tell. I mean, I stepped the wrong way. I mean, it could be over tomorrow. Well, that's, that's not a good note. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully something as simple as that doesn't happen. But when we talk about this weekend too, I mean, the other thing to look at is, you know, your total points, your career points. And uh, John Grant Jr. is sitting there at uh, 1,446 points. You're at 1445. Uh, one point ties you with him. That second point will move you ahead of him. Um, what's that? you know, sound like when you hear that, that you um, are that close to moving into second place all time on the NL scoring list? Well, I guess the secret could be on now that Johnny's done playing. He's like, he was the guy I, I kind of idolized on the Gates and Tavares and Jimmy Dalton growing up. And, uh, you know, he's, he took an NL championship for me in 2007 in Arizona, and we had some battles with Peter Brown and Branson, and he had some handcuffs with Victoria and Peterborough. So I get uh, the company I'm in. Um, you know, a lot of that's to do with how long I play, but it's also a testament to the coaches and players that put me in position to be successful. I mean, it's a team sport. Um, 
defensive guy, your job is to produce. So um, I've just played a long time. I've played with a lot of good players, and I'm just thankful that these coaches allow me to, you know, have trust and faith in me and probably saw things in myself I never saw. That's probably the success I had is because of those guys. Just quickly, like on the, I know you mentioned Arizona here and, and that, I mean, how good was that group and how good could it have been? Like, was that something that you saw maybe developing into a dynasty there? If, if that team was able to stick together? Yeah. When our first year in Arizona was our relocation year. It took us a year to get, we're just under 500. The next year, 2005, we go to the finals versus Toronto for the NBC game. Rock and NCC sold out, rally towels. It was unbelievable. We lost. Stayed with them for the fourth quarter. Next year, we lose to Denver in the Western Finals. They go on to beat Buffalo in the NL Championship. 2007, we go back to the NL Championship versus Rochester, lose to them by a goal. Um, so you're looking at, you know, two NLL appearances in three years as a very young team. Uh, Craig Kahn was still young back then. Um, we still had some draft picks. Bob Hanley, you know, did a really good job of, you know, understanding veteran savvy with also making sure we were stocked with young talent. And, uh, our room is what got us to our success. I mean, uh, that room was no leaks. Everyone hung out. And uh, we had so much fun together both on and off the floor. So maybe um, – you know, Craig, he blew, I think he blew his knee that summer, though, in 2007. That really, that really would have hurt us not having Craig come because, I mean, we forget about Craig and how good he was. Like, he was legit. He was like a three-goal game guy. He would just take up – he was bleeding every game from somewhere on his body. He was one of the toughest guys ever played with him, a great teammate. He was just such a good friend. Yeah, I mean, some of those guys on that St. Catharines uh... – junior a team i guess from the early 2000s there were amazing players and i think you know some of them maybe didn't go on to the 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 greatest pro career but i think there's a lot of guys in that group that uh kind of get forgotten a little bit and i think you're right craig is uh is definitely one of those guys but when we talk about the early 2000s we had a player obviously was kind of brought to the forefront in the nll this week chris Arigalieri, a, a 2002 birth year plays in the nll uh, this week, I see your face. You know where I'm going here. Yeah. Next year, there's probably going to be players born in 2003. Like, there's a chance there's 03s playing in this league. What's that like to think about that there could be players that, you know, were born after you started playing in the league, playing in the league next year? It means I'm old. <laughs> That simple. It means I'm old. <laughs> and Chris, like, he was in the Rock Elite League. I would shoot on him before and he would do some of our performance stuff. So this is a guy like, um, I was, I'm not going to say I took it easy on him doing some of the drills, but now you're going up against him. Like, it's so awesome to see. Um, it means there's a ton of talent coming up the, the ranks here that uh, is, is fun to watch. And kids that um, I've coached over the years from, Phil Mazuka is a great example. I, I knew him when he was like five, six years old. He's coming up on lacrosse camp for Bible lacrosse, and now I'm playing against him or still playing with him. It's really fun. So it just, I mean, it just means I'm old. That's all. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, some more stuff, some present day stuff. Uh, 
looking at the game against the bandits last week, I know it's probably uh, never fun to be watching your team from the sidelines, but in this case, you're at home watching them on TV. Talk about what that was like, what the atmosphere was like with the family around there, how they were reacting to uh, how you were reacting, all that kind of stuff. What was the experience like last week uh, watching from afar? Well, my boys are getting to the age of five and seven where they can kind of understand goals and see how much time is left. And, um, that's fun, being seeing their excitement because when I'm playing, I don't get to see that how excited they are when they're watching. Um, the Rock play or their own Go Paul in Rochester. My wife can tell me, but to see it firsthand, and I come on, Robbie, come on, Chuck, come on, Rosie, like that was really cool. Um, the flip side of that is, I think it was the first time my wife has kind of really seen the competitive side of me in the lacrosse world. Um, she's obviously we're competitive when we play basketball against each other or whatever it is, but it's kind of next level when it comes to lacrosse, and it. I don't know if she said she's she was scared, but she was just kind of taken back at how intense I was watching the game, like gripping my jaw, clenching my fist, because uh, you don't like to see your family out there taking taking certain hits or other people acting certain ways. So it, it was it's tough to watch when you're a spectator. So I know you're mentioning your boys watching the games now and, and kind of understanding it, and they're around the track all the time, you know. Um, what, uh, like, who are the guys that they are now kind of looking at as kind of their favorite players or that they're talking about or trying to emulate, you know, uh, what those guys are doing on the floor? Like, who are their favorite players beyond dad? Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, dad, dad's dad, like, dad's dad. Um, Robbie Hellier's guys, he's number 10, Robbie Hellier, that's who he is, and uh, Theo likes uh, challenge. Challenge and Tommy, like he'll do the dive goals now, like every kid, right? But the problem is he steps three feet in the crease before he does the Superman behind, like Tommy. Tommy can jump outside the crease. And then Brooksy just, Brooksy likes Baby Shark, probably just because of his nickname. And then Rosie. So, yeah, well, the guys are so good on too, which is great. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, so this week, uh, you know, I, I'm sure the the tone and the the flavor you could say of practice might have been a little bit different um, coming off a loss in uh, in Buffalo. Just maybe talk a little bit about what the vibe was around the team, and and you know, does uh, is everybody of the opinion that you know that this is the time to give more, and and they can give more, or what's the general vibe right now around the club? Well, one. We never look past Halifax because now they're up one on us. We see them three times. We need that head-to-head. -head. The way we get that is take care of home court advantage. I think they tossed a lesson now in Halifax, and I think they're kind of one of the benchmarks coming out east. So we need to understand that. We need to have a better effort. Um, I think when I say that, people need to understand what effort means. Like, it's not like effort is all-encompassing with execution to me. Right, like our effort and our compete is there, but our execution has been off um, in the past, and it showed in Halifax and they made us pay. So we need to be better to be even involved in the game. And when you talk about things like execution, is there any specifics like um, that kind of pop out to you that were the key things that didn't happen in Buffalo that need to happen, especially going up against a, a tough Halifax team here this weekend? I think what separates most teams is five on five is kind of a wash. It comes down to power play, special teams, and, and transition. And our power play has been, you know, in top this year. Um, so 
we need to have a better percentage you know, on our PP opportunities because if you know if teams are just going to be like, hey, we just take a penalty on them going ahead and take away that high percentage shot, we you know they're struggling with PP and transition as well. I think we've done a pretty good job of taking away transition, but I think we can do a better job of creating more opportunities in transition. And then the five on five kind of takes care of itself. There's, I don't think a lot of teams are huge five on five. Um, so if we do a better job of that, I think we give ourselves a real good opportunity to stay in the future. All right, Dan. Well, it sounds like the boys in the background are having a good time and they're fired up about the game. We're all getting ready for Saturday night, a special night for, for you, unfortunately, you know, for everybody, uh, you know, we won't have fans in attendance on Saturday night, but I mean, maybe I can wrap up on, on that and just ask you, what do you think it's going to be like playing in front of a building where, yeah, you're still going to have the music going and that kind of stuff. So some elements of normal will be there, but there's not going to be anybody there, uh, you know, cheering you guys on and making noise when, uh, when good things are happening. Yeah, you like to feed off the crowd. And I thought our first two games, especially that first game, was a little trick. You felt it. You felt the swing of the game, all those things. And um, it'll be different, but at the same time, like, they're faced with the exact same challenges we are of like feeling the energy on your bench. Now you're going to find different ways to stay motivated and stay on point with the game instead of the music, instead of the crowd trying to sway the game back your way. So it, it'll be fine because I mean, that's what, you know, championship teams do. It don't matter if there's 18,000 fans or if there's zero fans, you're going to play the same way regardless. Okay, Dan, we'll wrap up on that. Thanks a lot for taking a few minutes to chat. Uh, Enjoy the moments ahead here, especially this weekend, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Awesome. Thanks, brother. All right, that was Dan Dawson of the Toronto Rock. We will take a short break and be back here with more on Toronto Rock Total Access in a moment. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Toronto Rock Total Access. I have to thank Matt Sawyer and Dan Dawson for taking some time to chat with us this week on the podcast. Also, just a reminder, of course, no fans this weekend at Saturday night's game, but you can watch the game live on TSN 2, and you can stream it through TSN's digital platforms via tsn.ca and the TSN app. Just simply log in with your cable or satellite providers account credentials so you just log in as if you're going to check your cable bill those credentials that you use to log into that account that's how you can log in to tsn direct if you are a tsn subscriber with your television package or satellite package as i mentioned so that's how you can watch the game if that wasn't clear enough for you go to torontorock.com broadcast and if you scroll down on that page, everything is broken down step by step as to how you can watch the game online, stream it. And of course, there's other options to uh, purchase a TSN Direct subscription, either for just a day, a month, a year, if you're not a TSN television or satellite subscriber. So lots of options. You can get to the game either on TV or streaming it. So lots of options there for you there. So for everybody who was a ticket holder for this game, you should have received a refund via Ticketmaster already. If you have not, feel free to contact our ticket office whenever you like. 
And also for anybody who purchased a ticket through the Toronto Rock office, so that's somebody who had a flex pack or um, any of our other packages that we sell, and of course also season memberships, you will be contacted very shortly if you haven't already to sort out what you want to do with uh, credit essentially for this game that uh, will unfortunately not allow us to have any fans in attendance. We hope everything is somewhat sort of back to normal and we can have some fans in the arena on January 29th. But of course, we're standing by and waiting like everybody else out there to see how the next couple of weeks play out here in the province of Ontario with regards to COVID restrictions. So keep your eye on all of our social channels, your email, our website. You'll be able to find out everything you need to know as soon as we know type of thing. We'll be announcing it. So we're anxious to, of course, pass on good news. So as soon as we have it, we will definitely not be keeping it under wraps and we will get it out there as soon as possible. So again, if you do have any ticket questions, please feel free to contact our ticket department anytime you'd like at tickets at torontorock.com. That's probably the best way to do it. And if you are calling between the hours of 9 to 5 on Monday to Friday, you can catch somebody at our ticket office at 416 596 3075. That will about wrap things up for this edition of Toronto Rock Total Access. Again, big thanks to our guests here, Matt Sawyer and Dan Dawson. And that's it. That's all. In the meantime and in between time, another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access podcast is over and done with. We will chat next week. Thank you.